to Soul Inspired Leadership's latest pod, leadership podcast. And today my guest is a, a fellow Singaporean, uh, Graham Brown. Now, Graham is the founder of Pickle & Co., which is an award-winning podcast agency. And he's involved in many podcasts, like the Podcast Accelerator, and, and is a bit of a mastermind and thought leadership, the podcast host. So he, his whole uh, modus operandi is around leadership and communication. He's a published author on the subject of the digital transformation of communication works, including the Human Communication Playbook, the Mobile Youth, Voices of the Connected Generation, documenting the rise of the mobile culture in the early 2000s in Japan. That'd be interesting. How to build, and another one is how to build a brand worth talking about, which is also a good leadership um, fodder um, and learning. He also hosts Podcast Maps, the Be More Human podcast, the Excel podcast, and many more. The list goes on. He has, worked, he has been featured in the Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, has worked with McKinsey's, Leap, UTI Investment Bank, AirAsia, Zero, and many more well-known organisations. But the bit that uh, interests me is Graham is, is without doubt a communicator. His expertise to me is storytelling for leaders, which is one of my passions. That good leadership is about how you connect with people. And one of the best ways to connect with people is through storytelling. So welcome, Graham. Ross, great to be here. Thank you for the introduction. Looking forward to this. And yeah, a great introduction as well. But let's jump in and do the storytelling thing. Because like, likewise, very much passionate about it and happy it to is. share I with just... your listeners. I just, uh, when I'm, I, I just sometimes coaching executives, I just get so, um, when you say passion, I, I just get so excited about trying, well, well, it's not excited, it's probably determined, it's probably a better word, is to how can I help these people be better connect, at connecting with people? Mm. And one of the topics that always comes up is tell stories, communicate with stories. It helps clarity. It helps people feel that you're real and you actually exist because you're telling a story. And quite often stories are, are a, an emotional experience, particularly. And I just think it's just a better way for to relate to people of what you're doing. So what's your immediate thought when we when we talk, when we say leaders should tell stories? Mm. Absolutely, Ross. You're right when you say it's a great way for leaders, particularly, to connect. Think about, you know, back at school when a teacher would read a story, he or she would always say, gather around, and all the kids would gather around, <laughs> right? It had that magical effect, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we gathered around. <laughs> and you think about that now, like even today, you know, you can imagine a scene in a bar or a pub. And somebody's telling a story and people have gathered around him. They're mm. all sort of standing in a sort of semicircle, listening to this guy tell yeah. a story. And that's the magic of a story. And very much it is magical. There, there is an art there, but there are very much there's a science in it as well. I think, you know, what I'd like to share with your readers, mm. sorry, your listeners, is that, um, you know, it's not once upon a time that we tend to feel that storytelling's fairy tale. Yeah, but uh, in business, you know, we're talking about some of the greatest storytellers of the last century, this century, Steve Jobs, for example, 
or great leaders, look at Jacinda Ardern, for example, mm. you know, tell stories and connect with people. Or even throughout history, like Martin Luther King, how he told stories to create connection and yeah, empathy yeah. with people. All of these people are fantastic storytellers. And I think we can learn a lot from them. And hopefully we can talk a bit about how and the why today. Yeah, and that's, and that's the, to me, it, it is that why is the important thing because um, it helps people then see the why in, in, the, in, a, in a story. But you're right, actually, I hadn't thought about that. It's, it's that gather around and, and people do. People mm. will immediately stop whatever they do in a way and, and want to hear the story because it's a story because they know mm. it, it has, a, has a line to it. It's, it's not just ram, random sentences. There's something they could miss out if they don't hear it. Well, I just saw Ross today on my LinkedIn, uh, just before this, I was checking my social media and uh, the chief financial officer of AirAsia had just posted a, a status update about their new plan. So the backstory is AirAsia is going through a transformation yeah. and it wants to be more than an airline and the airline is becoming a digital platform. And interestingly, I read the... I took a screenshot of it. I read his status update and it said, this is a new dawn for AirAsia. And I was looking at that and thinking how interesting that is. You talk about that structure, you know, that the, the follows a line. And the point is, is that even that word dawn, it's mm. like the dawn of mankind. Mm. It's a story. It's an analogy. It's what I call a short form story, meaning you can use one word to create change or for people to understand something. This is really important for a leader because you don't have a lot of bandwidth to communicate. Mm. So if you pick a very powerful analogy or story, you can help people understand what comes next. So, you know, dawn, it's a new day, it's exciting. Yeah. We know what comes next after dawn, you know, yeah. the day follows. And yeah. in the same way, if you use that language to describe transformation, so you're an airline becoming a digital platform, if you can get your audiences on board with the idea of it being a dawn, you can also get them on the idea of this transformation and what follows next. It's something they are familiar with. And if you look at the psychology of storytelling, the brain doesn't understand the difference between past, present and future. It doesn't have any concept. Mm. So it only knows experience and what powerful stories do and what great leaders are able to do is take an unknown future and connect it with a known past. So yeah. if you were to stand up, like when Steve Jobs launched the iPod, he didn't launch it as the, you know, the world's greatest MP3 player because people didn't know what an MP3 mm, player yeah. really was, yeah. but he, he stood up on stage and said, this is a tool for the heart. So he connected an unknown concept with a known familiar experience. And that's really storytelling in a nutshell. Mm. Everything else really is an addendum to that. But the point is, is that if you're a leader, you can use these techniques to create change, to help people understand. And I know a lot of what you talk about on this podcast is about good leadership. You know, good leadership is good storytelling. How do you mm. take this short form story and package the unknown for your audience? And that's all they really want. Somebody to stand up and say, it's going to be okay. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I have a map that's going to lead us out of this thing. Yeah. yeah. And that you said one important thing that too, is that often 
work with people in, in the sense of to be conscious of the words they use. You don't just throw out a bunch of words without much thought behind it. And Dawn's one perfect one. One word says you can say all about change and it's a new beginning and all these things. Just say Dawn. People already automatically know it's a new day because that's mm. what a Dawn is. So it's a new experience. It's something new that's happening and bright It's because mm. it's a dawn. So it's the clever use of words that make the make that extra bit of difference. Um, mm. or probably a lot of difference within, within storytelling or just plain communicating in any form. And yeah, because we, we, if you think about us as the audience, we have experienced dawn thousands of times. Mm. And it's the same with stories. If you look at uh, movies, for example, mm. so the best-selling movie of all time is Marvel's Endgame. I think it's done like three billion dollars in the box <laughs> office. But yeah. the the plot line is the same. I mean, you've probably seen it just as I have a bunch mm. of movies with the same plot line. It's Lord of the Rings, Star mm. Wars, The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's it's the Bible. It's every plot line we've ever known. And the point is, is that I, th I think as leaders, we're challenged that we have to sort of concoct this fantastic story. So those leaders you work with, mm. maybe one of the challenges they have is that, oh, you know, I have to have come up with this sort of fantasy myth for me, why I'm so exciting. And yet the point is, is that you need to develop a, a new story, you just borrow what works and, mm. you know, that has been the gift of storytellers for thousands of years. They just build on these archetypes, these frameworks that, you know, if you read Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, for example, he basically says that every story is the same. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It has different actors. It's a stage and the actors change. It's like every love song, isn't it? It's the same boy meets mm. girl. Yeah. He loses the girl. He regrets yeah. it, wants yeah, her back. It. And it's not... Yeah. You don't listen to a love song and say, wait a minute, I've heard this one before. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm not listening to this rubbish. Mm. But that's the point. That's what human beings want. We consume stories because it helps us understand information through frames which we're very familiar with. And what I find is that when leaders fail in their communication is they don't use a frame we're familiar with already. They don't borrow a framework and they try and create something new and that's why mm. it, it just creates fusion in the listener yeah yeah and it's in there again that then they're accused of uh oh accused it's reality that they're not connecting with people they're they're not not real because because mm. stories that people can relate to makes makes it real because they identify exactly what you're saying they identify with it they understand it better and they're more comfortable with it mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about making it real because we, we, when we were kids, we were scolded for making up stories. <laughs> Don't yeah. tell stories, little yeah. Ross. Yeah, well, it's let's like that's you get probably, smack for that. That's, that's probably uh, probably fair comment there. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did, right? But as you yeah. sort of grow up, you know, I I was taking this. Um, I was working with some startup founders here in Singapore not too long ago in helping them craft the stories for their pitch mm. decks. And you can imagine for a startup founder, it's all story mm. because they don't have anything apart from yeah, the promised yeah. land that they're pitching. Yeah, the promised land, yeah. That's it. And uh, after this session, one of these founders came up to me and pulled me aside and he, he could see he was upset. And he said, you know, I don't want to tell a story. I want to tell the truth. And I said to him, look, 
you know, if you don't tell a story, I won't know what your truth is. Mm. And I think, you know, we, we're sort of burdened by this, what psychologists call naive realism, that we see the world as it is, mm. which is, you know, we see it in very logical terms, which is not how it happens. You, you know, hey. there's plenty of research that says otherwise, you know, hey. how we buy, how we communicate, it's how we influence people. Oh, you know, it's a very different emotion. world. And yeah. that, that's what stories do. They connect you, connect with you emotionally. Yeah. Not cognitively, it's an emotional connection. And that's the power. It's any other way of connecting is just not real. It's just people have got to feel it and emotionally feel it. And to me, that's where, that's when you get buy-in and with the story and relate mm. to the story because it has an emotional effect in some whatever way it does to that person. And every person some is quite often different. It's just as soon as you bring in a story, they connect with it emotionally, not logically. Yeah, yeah you've seen how it's been done the other way when people try and communicate logically. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine if I think of like Martin Luther King in front of the Lincoln Memorial, if he stood up and said, I have a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Let's dim the lights, folks. That's it. It's a very different world that will come out of that, right? But uh, that's, I feel that in business, somehow we, when we become adults, we stop make believe because we think it's somehow childish. We think that we need the data and the logic. Mm. And yet, you know, that you, of course you need that, but that's not what we're buying into. We're buying in the packaging for that, right? In the same way, you know, like we don't, consume soda we consume the brand of the soda first you yeah, know it even yeah. changes how mm. we experience it by the brands that we see on the can right so that's how the human brain works and I, you know when i was thinking about what soul inspired leadership was before this podcast I, I really feel like today we're challenged aren't we as society and as leaders to create connection a lot of a lot of the talk is about you know how to you know, what's the future of work? How do yeah. we find meaning? Um, mm. How do we create teams in this disconnected world that we live in? And how, how do we create voices or give people a voice of diversity and so on? And if you, you feel like historically, stories have been such a powerful way to create connection emotionally. And, you know, even if you go back to, you know, like the American Civil War and yeah. the, the slaves and the emancipation of slaves, it wasn't really until the people started writing about slaves and telling stories about the Negro, as it was called then, then people actually started understanding them as human beings. Mm. You know, these weren't, these weren't slaves. These were humans that had stories, you know, there's like Solomon Northrop who yeah. there's this, on uh, Netflix now, 12 years a slave. So, you know, these stories created connection between people, regardless of their color, That's right. white it's people connected with, black people and you know these are the tools which we can use in business today is to create that connection not yeah. to divide but to bring people together well it brings them together because it brings the humanness of people together it's the human aspects of people it's mm. the hearts the souls really because we're all souls we just happen to have different colored skin wrapped around the souls right it's, it's like and and so people start to realize that uh, the more they do it. And, and so when you're in, in leadership and you're a CEO of a large company, the more you, to me, you connect with through stories, the more real a, a, as, a, as a person you are and the more 
they mm. feel that you're connected to them as individuals, not disconnected. It's the lack of stories. This sort of um, creates that disconnectedness feeling because people don't know how to connect. Mm. Uh, that's not emotionally, and the stories are the emotional connection. If, if you were to think about, for example, what are the um, the, the sort of bad guys in movies who are the scariest ones and you, you, they tend to they tend to sort of follow this trope which is that they are formless or they have a deformed face for example mm. so i think about darth vader as an example hey. or, or sauron from lord of the rings i'm sure in every myth mythical movie there's an equivalent of this sort of deformed mm. there's one in harry potter as well mm. and there's a reason why that archetype keeps appearing in our culture and it's because we fear the formless and what we don't understand and you then think about that in leadership that who are these people who is the ceo Um, why do these people have all this data and you know what are they doing with this money and i don't trust them and don't understand them because they're faceless and formless Mm. and that creates that that dynamic which is negative in terms of you know the brand and how we relate to that company and so it takes its ceo to stand up and become a human yeah and to say in, in real soul inspired leadership is to say i don't know mm. you know i saw um I, I got an email from tony fernandez the ceo of air asia when not not long into their you know the the pandemic yeah. and this was the time i don't know if you remember ross that ceos leaders were sending out emails that said um, dear customer or dear valued client, uh, um, you know, blah, 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 yeah. pandemic, blah, 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 you know, yeah. and the end of it, we will continue to deliver outstanding service that you expect of our hotel brand mm. or whatever. But Tony Fernandez was different. It's just said, hi. And then I remember in the first paragraph, it said, um, we're not making any money right now. And I thought, wow, that's a big statement. For, mm. of, of vulnerability for a CEO. To it make. is, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, perhaps off to him because that, to me, that's soul inspired. That's to say, look, I'm vulnerable. I don't have the answers, mm. but we're going to find a way. Mm. And he signs off, love, Tony. And when you sort of read that, and then you obviously you see the man speaking, you feel that he's done a lot to humanize that brand. Yeah, you know, yeah. a controversial figure, but at the end of the day, you know, how will that change people's perceptions of that brand over time? Yeah, that's really what leadership is. And we mm. mentioned brand at the beginning, isn't it? Is that mm. they are the brand, they become that's the right. brand and the brand right. uh, becomes a, some derivative of them, not the campaign or the, the logo, it's the people. It's the people. So that's why we yeah. need to give leaders storytelling tools, because yeah. that's how they will influence yeah. people. Well, like basically, leadership, um, they get the culture they deserve. So if you want the culture and the culture delivers the service, it delivers the connection with customers, it's the way people behave at work. Well, you're the influence as a leader mm. in, that, in that directly. You influence. It may not happen overnight, but over time, you'll get the, you always get the culture you deserve. <laughs> it, it has a way of working out that way. So, Do you think leaders... Big, understand that i mean you work a lot with leaders i'm curious like your take as a coach do they um, do they see that as their domain or is that some, you know are well, people coming on board with that 
Now, the interesting thing is the good leaders do. That's why right. they, they're good. Some of the others, like, oh, really? Like, they don't, they don't get that. They think the mm. culture is the culture is something else. It's, HR. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, that's got to be, that's HR got to work with that. Um, right. it's, it's, it's all about walking your talk as a CEO and your executive team walk your talk and that creates the culture. Um, and then it slowly, it, it goes out, it infiltrates throughout the organisation, depending on the size right. of it. But it's, some don't get it and they're the ones who struggle. And that's well, someone that else's they, fault, not theirs. Yeah, they struggle because they're managers, not leaders. Mm. That's right. That's they the manage, right? And yeah, that's right. They manage a process. Yeah, and they optimize it, right? <laughs> and they op- and, and that's it. They're a manager of process. I say that many times um, in a, in a nice way to try and encourage them. Because um, I but you or, need managers, right? Well, but they're to, not they're not going to take us to the moon. No, you know, if you gave if you gave that challenge to a manager, they'll build a taller tower, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so know, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, building a taller. I do a lot with engineers. Um, and yeah, so there again, it's just doesn't matter what what industry you're in, hmm. um, what profession you're in, etc. It all comes back to to me connecting with people. And hmm. you might say, oh, well, we're we're engineers or we're we're um, actuaries or some other mm-hmm. analytical uh, focused sort of operation. The key comes back to you can't connect with people on an analytical basis to really motivate them. You can on a cognitively to, to, to help them with a particular task, but to engage them, to get them to want to be doing things, it's the emotion that drives them. As you said hmm. before, it's, it, 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 that's what drives them because at the end of the day, you're selling them something. You're selling them the vision. That's why they call it buy-in. And any selling is emotional. We, we buy on emotion. Right. We don't buy out of any other data. There are people who look at the specifications and read it intently of a car, a new car. But it's the emotional aspect of what that data gives them, not, not the data. Right. It's that, oh, I'm in control. I know, I understand this data. It's the emotional response to the data, not the data itself. Yeah, that's, that's hard for people to take on board though I feel it is, that, that it is it's, it's like an iceberg isn't it you know 10 percent is the logic yeah. the, the data right and 90 percent below the water is what's happening and what, what you're trying to do and i guess what we're talking about here is speaking to that 90 percent mm. that you you can focus on the 10 percent, the data the powerpoint presentation the logic but really how you're going to influence somebody and create change and create connection is at the emotional level and it's hard because we don't see it. We definitely feel it. Um, and we are a little bit scared about talking about it. I feel yeah, that that yeah. is probably the nub of the matter. You know, if you want to be soulful, you've got to be vulnerable and open. Mm. Even you see, for example, like Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, many years ago, like long before Black Life Matters, um, st- stood up and said, let's talk about race. And he got pilloried for it. You know, like people are like, why? Why are you doing this? Like, you're a CEO. What's it got to do? You're a coffee company. Why? But he, he was ahead of his time. And that's the problem is that we fear the public reaction in that way, that it may not be the 
the press, it may be your own people to stand up and be emotional and to say, you know, love Tony or mm. we're not making any money right now. It's very much a fear driven society and fear driven organization. So a leader really has to get beyond that, the fear. Yeah. Because, you know, if we are locked in fear, as they say, there's a Japanese saying, like the frog in the well never knows the ocean. Mm. You know, it's comfortable inside the well. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's not how we live, right? We've got to go out and experience the ocean. It's the same for leaders to, to be, live beyond fear and to be vulnerable. In, that is what leadership is now. I really believe that great leadership is measured by our ability to be vulnerable, ability okay. to get on stage, ability to say, I don't know. How that's changed. You know, if you went to business school years ago, it was <laughs> you would have a different been, world entirely. You would have been ushered out, I think, if you made yeah. that comment. Like, yeah. But, but, it, but it's so true. And I think probably the last events of the last few years has brought that a bit closer in hmm. reality because it's forced people. Well, it's just people are now more vulnerable because they've felt vulnerable. So therefore... Hmm. And they, they, want, they want people to be connecting with them and... And they and they want to feel safe with people. A bunch of data or statistics doesn't make people feel safe. It's just that simple the letter that you're talking about there. From, um, is it just that because you're vulnerable, then they feel safer because they think, mm. yeah, he's admitting he can't do it, but he's gonna he's gonna try, and I'll, I'll be in that because that gives me confidence. Not just well, giving it's, all it's the data, you know. It's, it's Superman and kryptonite and Achilles and his heel, isn't it? We, yeah. you know, there's. I think it, there's, there's studies done in the 60s on students. It's, it's called the pratfall effect is where they sort of studied actors and they, they had actors read out these lines to students and they got students to rate these actors on their skill. And they're all skilled actors, obviously, but the students didn't know. And then they repeated the experiments, but this time the actors knocked over a cup of coffee. So they had these one group which were measuring actors based on being really skillful and then another group being skillful but knocked over a cup of coffee and they found that the students significantly rated the group who knocked over a cup of coffee higher in their yeah. skill even though the actors were the same yeah. and think about that is yeah. that we significantly rate not only their leadership skill higher yeah. if they demonstrate vulnerability and you can see that you know, like Achilles in his heel is that if those superheroes didn't have vulnerabilities, they would be plastic and wooden. Can you imagine if Superman yeah. didn't have his kryptonite? Mm. We don't relate to those guys. And mm. you say, it's like, you know, I'll be on board. I'll be with you for this journey. And that's it. That's the power. Okay. You're, you're on board. You get it. You know, I'm doing this journey and gives everybody hope it because does. I'm the underdog here. Yeah. I'm the and one, it, you know, yeah. who doesn't have all the answers, but you know, it's not just my journey, it's your journey, because that's how we relate to people. We see ourselves in those superheroes. You know, we're not flying around with capes, but yeah, yeah. we understand that the sort of heroic journey that we're all on. And that's the power that only happens when you open up and show your weaknesses. Yeah, and I agree. And that's, to me, that's, that's, that forms, that, that creates the trust. Because when you're being opening up and being humble and transparent with your own feelings and talking about where you're challenged, people then go, hey, he's telling the truth mm. because that's real. Or she's telling the truth. That's real. We all have, we all can be vulnerable. So anyone that says they can't, well, you, you're lying to me, I think, because somewhere, somewhere you'll, 
you've got a problem, but I don't know what it is. So therefore, I don't mm. trust you. It's just, but when you open up, ah, they're opening up. Therefore, I trust, and therefore I trust, and I trust that you're going to do your best. So therefore, I'm with you. Mm. So look on that note, uh, Graham. Anything? Any one last word or two to sum up when you talk about storytelling for leaders? Oh, there's so much, Ross. Yeah, I know. That's, Can't do it with one word. 20, another 20 minute podcast. That's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, just I, I feel there's so much that we can learn through what has been told over thousands of years. You know, you go way back to those cave paintings at 20,000 years old. You know, it shows people painting stories, you know, like in the southwest of yeah, France yeah. in Lascaux. Beautiful, you know, paintings of animal stampedes these are stories that mm. told to communicate information to people about you know where the animals are when to find them yeah, etc yeah. so we're still doing it today you know when steve jobs is on stage when leaders are talking to us when ceos doesn't necessarily need to be a title either even when you know that young um teenage swedish girl greta thunberg stood mm. up and said you know, you've stolen my future about climate change. Like we don't need more data folks like climate change. It's, it's been around for 120 years, the data, mm. we, we, you know, Swedish scientists discovered it in the, the late 19th century. Mm. There's like 1 billion Google search results about climate change, but it's only when somebody stands up and tells a better story, do we start to feel and, you know, on board and sense change and want to be yeah. part of this. So, you know, I feel that we have a lot to learn. And to anybody who's listening, who's interested in storytelling, you know, I'd recommend a good book as a starting point, or even to research, for example, uh, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, because you'll read it, you'll see the hero's journey diagram, and then you'll ruin every movie that you sit in with somebody because you'll say, this is what happens next. And my mom <laughs> did this to me. But it you know, even though you know the plot, you'll still enjoy all this. You'll still enjoy and, it. That's right. And it becomes such a power. You'll see it everywhere. You'll see it, see it in every Steve Jobs presentation, in every you know public address, in every successful pitch. You'll see this this structure that you didn't know exist there. You know, every scene that gets played out, like the departure scene or the atonement scene, you'll see these and recognize them, and then with that knowledge you'll become a much better storyteller because now you'll start to understand the science behind storytelling yeah, and yeah. that helps you really sharpen the art yeah well thank you graham for being uh, a guest on our show today and i thank all the people who, who are listening so um until next time um thank you i've, I've gone blank my mind went Oh, they will cut the video. <clears throat> so, tune in for chapter two. Ah, uh, tune in for chapter two. So thanks for listening. Okay. Mm -hmm.